0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Picking Corners on the Box Lacrosse channel presented by Protein. If you're looking to get your protein fix or maybe that nice little pre-workout or some creatine monohydrate, which I highly suggest, head on over to the Protein website and go ahead and try out our code in all caps, Pcorners40. Again, that is Pcorners40. That'll get you 40% off any product on their site. Bringing your journey back to bulking at a whole lot lower rate. Thank you to the Picking Corners podcast and the My Protein crew for this awesome deal. Gentlemen, we're back from San Diego. We're all repping some merch right now, except for Garrett, Is Garrett's Garrett, you know, um, <laughs> we're here, we're back, we're alive. We all um, got some sunshine. Garrett and uh, Cam got some beautiful handmade wooden sticks, which we'll, we'll get to as well. Um, but I would say nothing. It blew all expectations out of the water. But around the horn, how are we
1: feeling today? What's up? What's new? What's popping? What's cooking? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, we haven't done an episode in a few weeks, right? So it's, it's, it's good to be. And I'd say uh, it was, you know, kind of stimulation overload right uh when we were there in san diego just like all across 24 7 and then i i came home and you know we've we kind of took another week off and i've just been like itching to get back to, you know we haven't done a review of, of our trip and there's so many good things to highlight so i knew we needed an episode like this to be able to talk about our trip our experience and, and how awesome it was getting to meet so many great people and make connections out there um otherwise just back to coaching <laughs> we got a tournament this weekend and it's a 3-day tournament uh in are you going to be there Tuck Pipe City you going? <laughs> ah, yes, I'll be there. Oh, let's oh, go. That's great. That means Garrett you got to come up for for one of the days then. Right? Uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll be with uh I'll be coaching with Team One Tuck, so uh definitely hit me up. We'll we'll get into some shenanigans. Um other than that, just kind of excited for us to get back to our own box team, right? Portagers, I'm sure you're you're itching to play with the dogfish tuck. So, um, you know, just different methods of lacrosse going on all the time. Garrett, what's going on with you, man? Are you are you traveling still? How's your your workload looking? Are you are you still hungover from World Lacrosse or what?
2: I tell you, um, definitely workers are moving slow. Um, like you like going to San Diego was it was like okay, we're getting there. Now we're here. Everything ramped up to like a hundred for like all while we were there and then literally come back and it was like boom we're done okay and it was like all gloomy we had the Canada smoke out here so it was just like a cloud of nothing just hovering over us but it was fun um now we're back the work is kind of you know a little bit piled up but I mean what are you gonna do about that um just have to be back but really happy that we got the chance to go that was fantastic
1: yeah, let's let's talk about that smoke too, because you're not joking, right? So this is a box lacrosse podcast, although we are branching out and it's been great to really be able to cover just lacrosse in general. But we've had a lot of Canadians on here. What what the fuck's going on up there? Like, can you guys figure this out? I went for a run the other day and I, I come back inside and I look at my phone that says that the air quality in Chicago is the worst on earth and it's like smoking a whole pack of cigarettes. And I'm like, if I'm going to be subjecting myself to that type of bodily harm, I want it to be under my own discretion, right? I'll smoke a pack of cigs. That's fine. I don't want the Canadians forcing that into my lungs. Okay. So I don't know what's going on up there. Hopefully they can get it figured out. Uh, the, the club that I coached for, they did make us go out and play in one of the days that uh, the, the air quality was pretty bad. So um, I, I can't say I was super pumped about that. <laughs> uh, I wasn't the one running around, but uh, pretty wild. I mean, it's nice and sunny and beautiful beautiful here now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can't really uh, predict any of this crazy stuff that's going on. I guess they had it in the East Coast right now. It's coming our way. Yeah. Uh, it was bad. I mean, it was like, I don't know what it was like by you guys,
0: but. Oh, it was. For the viewers out here, you can kind of see. Yeah, it looked
2: like that but a little bit more dense. Like you could taste the smoke. Um,
1: oh yeah, it was like chemically.
2: Yeah. Was there like,
0: like there was no maple flavor
2: to no, it. It it was
0: like straight up just
1: bad bad smoke like marble reds, you yeah. know. Like nice. all nice. of yeah, I mean, Some lungs. Turkish lights, right? Uh
2: this, this was a uh, this was an anti-smoking campaign. This is what this actually is. I guarantee.
0: <laughs> Reverse psychology.
1: Yeah, it's an anti-breathing <laughs> campaign actually. <laughs> um <laughs> all right we've done enough kind of you know hey how how you doing kind of thing right let's let's just jump right into world lacrosse so for those of you that didn't follow our journey first of all what the fuck second uh we we went to san diego to probably the largest event in recent years for the lacrosse community right um by the world lacrosse stats or statistics, they have, I think, 86 teams or 89 teams or, you know, countries, right, a part of their world lacrosse umbrella. Uh, 30 teams make it to the actual men's championship in San Diego. And then you have, you know, the format of pool play and all that stuff. Um, Gents, let's talk first about um, our own experience. And then we can kind of talk about what we think uh, about the world lacrosse format, the setup, right? Because I think there, there were some pretty cool things that they did. Some areas that, you know, I have comment on that could be better going forward. You know, they do have the Utica one coming up, the indoor lacrosse championship coming up uh, in September next year. So they have another go round and some time before that happens to be able to uh, improve the event and make it even better. But we were there talking to as many people as possible. Um, from that first day, right, we get there on Wednesday, we meet up uh at the usa canada game not sure what to expect we get our media passes earlier that day uh and you know we get to go in the special gate we get to see bill walton walking around trying to find joe size sweet right uh, take a picture with him we get to go into the press box we're there with inside lacrosse you know lacrosse network we're there with the all the media contacts from the teams you know team usa team canada specifically for that game right Uh, And it was a pretty wild experience. And then you got Steve Aoki doing the halftime show. Right. So, uh, Tucker, I want to hear, you know, your first impressions from our own kind of uh, media exposure when we were there that first day. Um, And then I want to talk about, you know, kind of the other pool play after that. But what what, (laughs) what were your thoughts, your first impressions? Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I guess so.
0: For all the people out there, this was our first um, in-person endeavor to creating live content and to uh, doing on-field interviews and, and to really jumping into the in-person media world. You know, we, we live so much on this podcast platform and we live so much in this digital world where we love getting on a Zoom and it's convenient and it's easy. But this was the first, like, we're going to go here, we're going to have a mic, a camera, and be an actual media crew. And I think the coolest thing about seeing this all take shape um, was seeing how well it took shape because I mean, we, we talked about this and no, no shade on any other crew or anything like that, but it felt like we were the ones putting out the most media live that at like the day of we were putting out interviews and media and the views were rolling in. I mean, we were having Johns Hopkins reshare stuff. We were having, you know, major movers in the lacrosse world, reshare our content um, daily. Which was was phenomenal, um, and really, you know, it was it was surreal to see you guys get there after I'd been there for a little bit, and to see it all come together, and to see these interviews happening, and you know, next thing we know, we're we're, we're sitting there talking to you know Jeremy Thompson and and Austin Stotts and and all these guys that we talk about so frequently on this show, um, we're there in person, actually creating live content with them, which was. Insane to me, and then also to see us running around with media passes and like getting like the the red carpet treatment of just going wherever. Like the fact that we were standing on that field after the the USA Canada opening game, we're just chilling on the field talking to uh Danowski. Kind of weird, you know, universe are we living in? But this was, I mean, I can't tell you how successful this was in my mind. And we still have interviews yet to post. I mean, we still have content ready to roll, but like. The reach on this is insane. Just looking at some of the the view counts on these videos and how many times they've been reshared and how many times they've been reposted. I mean, we had big members of the lacrosse world coming up to us and being like, we like the content or resharing it. And that's, I don't know what's a greater compliment than that. I I really, really don't. And it's, you know, we did this because we love it. Were any of us making money from this? No, (laughs) no. Like this was because we love the content. We love putting it out there and we love connecting the lacrosse community. And that's what freaking happened, man. We
1: connect the lacrosse world via Instagram and then, I, you know, sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I, to kind of just sum it all up, I I'm very proud of us. And I was thinking about this earlier, right? Like, that, that experience could have gone in a, t- a bunch of different directions, right? I almost said one of two ways, but really it, it it was up to us to make it what we wanted it to be and to make it a successful experience because, you know, it's one thing to go as a fan and go watch these games and just enjoy lacrosse, but it's another thing when we're going there trying to create a name for ourselves to, to help get more exposure for our brand and to help under- people understand hey, this is what we're doing. We're trying to give you a platform, work with us, create relationships with us so that we can spread this like good positivity and this insight across as many people as we possibly can. And the reception has always been great. Um, So it wasn't really a shock that these people were open to talking to us, but it was more so just the ease of, we got the media passes, we didn't know what to expect. And then we get there and they're basically like, yeah, you can do what you want. You just have to do it right? Like it's up to you guys to say, Hey, I want to interview these people. It's up to you guys to be at the games. It's up to you guys to, to make a presence for yourselves. And we were like, bet. And we just absolutely took it head on. And (laughs) I think about that first interview that we didn't release with Josh Byrne, how nervous I was. Cause that's the first time I've ever done an in-person interview. I've, I've never interviewed someone live like that in live is a relative word right because it's still filmed but it's you know i have to ask this guy questions in real time and react to him and he's coming off the field he's not in a great mood they just lost the first thing i say is i know it's not the result you're you were expecting wow great lead in cam right but i i like got that one out of the way I, I actually went back and watched it. And you can't see my arm shaking as much as I thought you could. But, like, my arm with the mic is, like, shaking. I'm, like, screaming into it because I don't know how far away from my mouth it's supposed to be. But we get that one out of the way. And then Matt Rambo comes up. Get an interview with him. That one blows up. Get an interview with Donowski. That one blows up. Then the next day, we're literally going to a 10 o'clock game, a one o'clock game, a four o'clock game, a seven o'clock game, three days in a row, right? I mean, like the first day was definitely awesome to be able to get our feet wet, see all the teams, be in the biggest venue and potentially see one of the bigger crowds, right? That was a great atmosphere. But personally, my favorite was getting up at 8.30, nine o'clock, taking showers, getting fucking Wendy's on the way or like whatever food we could get to like supplement a breakfast and then going to the the pool play fields at San Diego State, which I really love the format and the fact that the fields were all so close because we could go see, you know, Israel play. And then after that, we're seeing Team Jamaica play. And then we're seeing, you know, uh, Team Japan and France play and Team Mexico and Italy and Peru and Puerto Rico. And like, I mean, I I'm like almost, you know, sentimental thinking about it because it was such an awesome experience. And tying back to my whole kind of being proud of us point is we could have absolutely just stood on the sidelines, took a few pictures and grabbed a couple interviews. But we tried to interview as many people as possible. Every game Garrett's there, getting the fans up, right, taking videos of them, tagging them, getting mentions. I mean, we probably had 20 countries repost us. I mean, we we made as many relationships as we, we possibly could. And I mean, yeah, I think we killed it. Garrett, i I want to talk to you about your personal experience, kind of more working the camera towards the beginning, right? Because that for us, we'd never used technology like that, right? Like, no, we didn't. All. We didn't know. How, y- you luckily had a tripod that like the gimbal fit on. Uh, you you got like a mic that we'd never used before, but it all worked perfectly. I mean, what were your kind of first impressions? Trying to figure out, okay, what is this format going to look like? The lighting, all this stuff, and then. You know, how did it improve over time?
2: It it was definitely, like you said, nerve-wracking because at that first game, it's like, okay, we're obviously – we're at Snapdragon Stadium. It's Canada versus USA. Literally every media person is here, and they're going to see, okay, hey, they're on the field interviewing these players. It's either going to go really good or it's going to go really kind of bad, and it's going to come out good or also bad. um I mean, we just kind of – like you said, we just kind of figured it out as we went along. But I think that first day, even though we were figuring it out, went pretty good for a first real run through without a trial run through. Like trying it out was yeah, we we did this with Matt Rambo, Josh Byrne, Kieran McCoy, Coach Janowski. That was it. That was like literally the first time this was all put together and like gone out. And it was it was hectic at first. I think I I had a light panel in my backpack, like just in case something wasn't right or they had us in some kind of tunnel. Um carrying around two tripods and everything. It was a lot, Um, but it went really, really well. And then as the days progressed, we kind of figured out, okay, timing of when these players are going to come off the field, when to, when to grab folks, when to do interviews, and keep it to a point to where we're not taking them away from their recovery time, their time to degree for the teams, but also get these quick interviews in stack them up and move on. I think we got pretty, pretty damn efficient with it. I mean, it got to the point to, it was like second nature. Uh, win or lose, guys go thank the fans. And as soon as they're coming off, hey, grab you real quick. We're going to grab you quick. Okay, cool. We have to do it right now. We need to take your stuff off. And then what, one minute, two minute interview, and it's cool. You're off. Like, it was like, it was like clockwork. But that really showed that, um, I mean, we we just adapted to what we were given. And I, was, I would say we're also, I'm, I'm pretty proud of us too, even for like, the parts of not focusing on the game so much getting the fans involved they're there obviously to watch lacrosse and to support their countries and their favorite players but it's always nice for the teams to also show that people that aren't able to come like hey our fans are here we're not just here playing alone no one knows who we are we have a support and then also they can keep that memory also it's not just in their heads they can re-watch those if they really wanted to that part, it really was, uh, I knew that was like, that was going to be super special for them. And that was I mean, special for me too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, it was just, um, <clears throat> I mean, you talk about it, a, a euphoric world or, a you know, a dream world. It, it felt like every bit of that. Um, I mean, we're, we're surrounded by awesome people. We get to meet, um, you know, Bill Walton, which is the weirdest lacrosse tie of all time. We just run into him in the hallway. Right. Um, I I didn't realize until after the fact that Cheech from Cheech and Chong was sitting next to me in the VIP tent watching the game the first night. And I didn't even realize it was him until he was walking away. Um, To see how many people from the greater world of pop culture and the greater world of sports, how many of them were invested in this happening um, was uh, beyond cool for growth of the game perspective. And then also just to see the the traditional tie into the game. Like, I, I mean, I told you guys that was about as nervous as could possibly be to talk to Jeremy Thompson. Like, I don't, I don't normally get nervous talking to people or interviewing people. Um, but I was, I was genuinely like, wow, I, I cannot believe this is happening. And it's for me, it goes, I mean, it goes really full circle. Like I'm, I'm 23 years old. I started playing lacrosse when I was, probably 12 years old um, and I started playing because I saw a video of Jeremy Thompson. Um, like I, my spark into the game of lacrosse began because of this guy. And now I get to see him play in what's likely his last world games and then get to interview him after a win when he's coming off the field. Like the blessing and the journey of that entire process is about as damn full circle as you'll get. Um, and it reminded me, It definitely reminded me, and I I think it reminded you two for sure, how amazing the lacrosse world really is. Um, You know, it's it's easy to get caught up in sports, and it's easy to get caught up in media, and it's easy to be a number on a wall or just someone moving fast in a world that seems to be getting faster. But for that week and those days, we got to slow down, to live in a dream world, and to connect with the biggest superstars on a personal level. Um, And that, in my mind, doesn't happen in any other sport except for this world of lacrosse. I mean, that's what makes this special is those interpersonal relationships with people you never guess. I mean, it was, it was even cool to see, you know, Nick Ocello come up to us in the, in the media booth and take a funny picture with Garrett. And we're just talking about lacrosse in Iowa and, and the weirdest, strangest world of connections. And then we've been running to, to Quint Keschnick on the field. Um, and it's, it's this everyone who's anyone in the world of lacrosse is involved in this. Um, like getting to catch up with Calum Robinson in the stands as he's yelling at the Os he's cheering them on. This is his first time not suiting up with them. Um, like all these different storylines collided into San Diego for the greatest lacrosse two weeks you could ever possibly imagine. Um, that's what made this journey so special.
1: Yeah, there's a few things that I wanna I want to unpack. I think in a minute we go around and it's just like a fun segment. We talk about our individual favorite interviews. Yeah. Before we get to that, though, some things that you've said and Gareth said that I want to touch on. So let's kind of go back to that first night. Right. And us kind of feeling out what being part of the media for the world across entails. Right. We're absolutely bottom of the barrel. We have the probably the lowest following out of anybody there, right? People have no idea who we are. We're just, somehow we worked our way into getting these media passes. Uh, I'm not really sure what the criteria is. Um, We haven't even mentioned that we actually picked up an intern while we were there, an unpaid intern. uh, Ian, who was nice enough to actually work hard and come and take pictures, a guy that he had just graduated from SDSU. He's someone who wants to get into sports photography, wasn't really huge in the lacrosse world, but but thought that the event was cool, chatted us up, we were able to get him media credentials, and then those are the pictures you're seeing that we're posting on our Instagram, right? So just making a connection with somebody, giving somebody another opportunity to, you know, work on themselves and, you know, understand how great the lacrosse community is, and he was fantastic, but you know, that first night, we didn't really understand what our role was being part of this media, you know, presence there at the game, right, or at, at the World Lacrosse uh, event. And I think that really, the the thing that probably pushed us over the edge in a good way that first night is we're sitting in that booth, right in the press box, which is awesome. Um, you know, I don't know why World Lacrosse couldn't spring to have us be able to drink sodas instead of just water. Uh, that they had a lock on that fridge, but you know, maybe maybe we'll get some some we we'll get soda food. privileges later. Yeah, we'll get some some better media food for the the, the Utica game. But you know, all jokes aside, I think that. Uh, we continued to to press, hey, uh, Amit, the guy that runs it, right? When are we going to be able to go to interviews? Where Where is this designated interview uh, area, right? There's supposed to be a designated media area after the game. When can we do this? We're staying on top of him, right? Not being annoying, but communicating, hey, we want you to know we're here. We want to take advantage of this. And, and we're looking to interview these players after the game. We're the only ones doing that, right? There's tons of other people there from a, a whole bunch of other media outlets, no one really is taking advantage of the opportunity that you can go actually interview these players after the game so i'm you know pressing the world lacrosse uh media team i'm talking to the usa and canada uh, media um representatives right or like pr people that kind of communicate between you and the players and you know we wait until after the game there you know we get to go down with a few minutes left we're on field level we get to walk out onto the field see the game complete and then literally just grab guys as they're walking off the field and conduct interviews on the field that they just played on. And I think, like, from that point, the World Lacrosse media team recognized we're not just a couple of guys that are here to, like, have a good time and see if we can make something happen. We're taking this seriously, right? And we were the only people out there besides, I think, one guy from inside lacrosse that was, like, interviewed Rob Pinnell. I think that was the only other interview I saw, right? And we're grabbing, you know... Uh, two players from Team USA, the coach, and a player from Team Canada. And we're the only ones out there. And I think, again, from that point, that's when World Lacrosse was like, all right, these guys are, like, taking this seriously. So they decided to give us more freedom. And then instead of us having to hound them for, you know, when we can go on the field and do interviews, they were telling us, hey, uh, if you want to interview guys, let us know beforehand, and then we'll take you down at a certain time. And they were really treating us pretty well. So I want to thank World Lacrosse for recognizing what we were there to do. And allowing us to and giving us the resources to do it uh, the right way and and like you said, Tucker, that then led to us being on the field talking to Cooper Perkins and Quint Kesnick and and we're literally just rubbing elbows with Nick Casello and like you know we're watching Team USA walk out onto the field three feet away from us and the Haudenosaunee and like all this stuff, right? So I mean it it started we like kind of set the tone that first day I think and and really you know took advantage of the opportunity we were presented and it led to a lot of successful content. And, you know, we started, I think around 600 followers when we went to San Diego and now we're, we're about to hit a thousand. So, you know, I, I, I don't think we could really ask for a more successful trip from a relationship standpoint, from a content standpoint, from a brand building standpoint, I think we really killed it. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk about also um, was just the fact that I really appreciated um, just the atmosphere of every team that wasn't in pool A, right? Like we went to as many games as we could and saw as many teams play as we possibly could with the time we were there. And every single team, for the most part, was really happy to talk to us and was pumped that they had people interviewing their players, right? Like we're gonna be in some content somewhere because every time we were interviewing a player from, you know, Team Italy, Team Mexico, Team Puerto Rico, their own media people were walking up and filming us interviewing their players because they were so excited that they were getting some sort of exposure. They didn't care that we had 650 followers and were from the Midwest. They're like, wow, these guys really care. They came to our game and they want to talk to our players and like give us a platform. This is awesome. And they, you know, were we're so receptive and supportive of us because we were, you know, showing the same back to them. So to start with my favorite interview, I'd say there was a lot of great ones um, and you probably would expect that like, you know, the Matt Rambo interview would be my favorite or like the Austin Stotts interview would be my favorite, but I really think my favorite interview was with Kevin Lewis of team Puerto Rico. Um, You know, Tuck, you got to interview Russell Melendez, which is absolutely sick. Right. And we'll talk about some of the other players from different, teams that you probably didn't realize were there, but are big names in the lacrosse world as well. Um, but I interviewed Kevin Lewis. Uh, he went to Lafayette and had I think he graduated like 2017. This is the only lacrosse that he still does. He, he's, I think, the captain for Puerto Rico. And you could just tell that Port, Team Puerto Rico has just such a great culture around their team. And that's what made interviewing him so fun because they won a really fun game. Um, I, oh, I think it was Czech Republic, right? They, Puerto Rico played Czech Republic uh, and we got uh, interviews with both teams and I got to interview Kevin Lewis and you could tell coming off the field, like he was like dancing out there. The fans were loving it. The atmosphere was great. And uh, he was just so excited to talk to us. I think Tucker, kind of the same energy that Matt DeLuca gave you when you were, uh, you know, interviewing him with Team Italy. You could just tell that he, Like, this is a moment that he's going to remember for the rest of his life, right? Like, being able to witness someone go through that and be in that moment is so special. And it was with, you know, his team, his family, his friends, all there representing, you know, something that they're trying to to build in Puerto Rico and, uh, you know, across any uh, other people that that look like them that, that think they can't play a sport like this you know they're trying to give him that opportunity and you could just tell that you know the growth of the game was super important and and he felt like he was really making a difference and he was having fun while he was doing it. So that was what my favorite interview was. Tucker, I don't know if you want to if you want to say your favorite interview. I mean, it's tough I, to narrow it down, but that's just the one that kind of pops into my mind first because it was so fun, it felt so natural. I don't I mean, I guess for me,
0: I I'll share my favorite interview and my favorite experience and moment. Um, cause there's both of those things happen for me. Um, I, I, for me, it's hard to pick a favorite interview because I had a lot of kind of sentimental interviews, um, that meant a lot of things to me. Like the Jeremy Thompson one was definitely a connection back to my roots in the game. Um, DeLuca was awesome because of the Italian connection. And, you know, I I'm closer to the Italian national program than I am any, cause I went and lived there and played for a year. And then getting to interview my, my two former teammates that I played with in Italy for a year that I haven't seen since I was 16 or 17 years old. That was phenomenal. I mean, that was a full circle moment for me to connect back to my lacrosse world. Um, and then I, I really think, I mean, Russell Melendez was awesome. Like really enjoyed that and what he took from that and talking to him kind of in the hallway throughout the rest of the week was really phenomenal in the dorms. Um, but I think the biggest one to me, and the one that will, will forever stick with me the most was interviewing my, my buddy Benji from Uganda, um, because I really that goes back to my favorite story and what I leave with the most meaning from that trip. Um, part of part of FCA and, and what I was doing there with um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and um, our service trip, you know, we played all these teams, we bonded with all these teams, we, we got to practice with them, scrimmage with them, get to know them. Um, but Team Uganda and us were, were very much the closest because we were one of the sponsors of Team Uganda. Um, I mean, we did a, we did a full barbecue with them. Um, we stayed up super late in the courtyard with them in Jamaica and got to hang out and cook food and, and really bond. And then we played them twice um, practiced with them twice, went to every one of their games, cheered them on. And I, I really had the opportunity to um, bond with an incredible young lacrosse player, uh, Benji for their team, who I have snapchatted and talked to every single day since Um, multiple of the guys text me every day. Now they were snapchatting me their whole journey home. They were in Dubai. They had a layover. They were snapchatting me of the Dubai airport. It was hilarious. It's awesome. Like, it's so cool to see. But that interview to me signifies that entire journey that I had with that Uganda team. And, And I, I went into this trip Wanting to find a renewed love of the game and a renewed joy and maybe some new meaning because we live a certain lacrosse life lifestyle and as a coach it becomes a business and a business it becomes a lifestyle, but I I, what I found in their game was it reminded me that regardless of how many goals they score or what happens they celebrated the little wins like no one's business. Um, I mean, it was beautiful to see that. And then to have him come up and ask me about shooting and work with me on shooting. And yesterday texted me, you know, when can we get in a zoom call and talk more about um, shooting form? Like that is the world of lacrosse that I was looking for, of pure joy of pure enthusiasm and pure love of the game. So 100% my favorite interview was with Benji um, and just, You know, I'll get choked up talking about it, but, you know, asking him what his favorite moment was of the entire thing and, you know, him telling me that it was making a friend like myself, that reminded me how small and how beautiful this lacrosse world really is. So 100% without question, my favorite interview and and my favorite memory
1: tying all the way back. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I think, you know, what's really been special for the three of us is to realize, Hey, there is, and I'm not even talking from a business standpoint for us. I'm more just saying like, for lack of better words, there is a market out there for this lacrosse content that we're putting out that isn't just, here's the, the best players in the world doing, you know, playing at the highest level. And, you know, these are the same five stories that you're going to hear this week. It's like, you know, we got to talk to people that are there representing their country and potentially, being in the United States for the first time playing lacrosse at the highest level they've ever played, you know, you know, being in a, in a position where they might be in a a culture shock. I mean, it's, it's a really amazing experience to watch unfold for these kids. And I guess, you know, adults, but I I almost look at a lot of them. Like, I mean, there's high school kids out there that are getting an, an opportunity to play for their team, right? Stone Evans from Jamaica, J.P. Henry, we interviewed from Peru, right? Like, wild stuff. Uh Garrett, I, I want to hear what your favorite interview was now
2: I had a couple of them. Um Definitely I, I think my absolute favorite was Yosef uh Yosef Ngawai from the Uganda team also. Um really really good um a good soul and a good person. He definitely one he knew his role on the team and, and him being mainly here but he was uh, he was really excited that uh, his entire, most of his team was from Uganda and got to come here and play. Um, But also, even though he's no, oh yeah, I play, he plays at Lindenwood. He's played before. He was very supportive of his team that maybe, you know, was still learning the game, maybe not at his level, but bring everybody up. Um, And that was one team I really liked. I I like to watch them play. They were, uh, you could tell that they were really starting to, each, each game went on. Even as the game itself went on, they were getting better. Um, with just like the little things, and it was awesome. It was really, really fun to see. I think the next favorite would have been oh, was it Jamaica? I even though I didn't interview anyone on that team, but the Jamaica game was really fun to watch. And even just like watch him you you guys interview um those those players. That was a really fu- electric crowd and even the players themselves were
1: like answer any questions you want just and again, it was a conversation who, yeah who who was there supporting team Jamaica team Uganda was there yeah. you know with half their team rooting you know just just loving the the whole experience right yeah i mean i i sorry to cut you off here i want you no, to know. no but the, it, it's like that
2: was that right there was a lot of the uh the the pool bcd whatever it is um Austria was cheering on Czech Republic. Let's go, Red! The basic of color, same color jersey, was just like that's their cheering on, and it was like that is cool. They're, you're taking time out of your own practice, like you absolutely just I just practice. You'd be chilling back in the dorms, but you're here in the sun, cheering on an entire other country that you're gonna be probably playing against or maybe competing against later on, sooner or later. That was that was really really good to see. I loved watching that. Um, and just the other player interaction between the teams, it was really really cool to see. Like you know, if you're on the field against each other, you know, there's a battle there. But as soon as that clock hits zero, the whistle blows. You guys are you guys are just friends afterwards, and you're going to support each other. You're going to talk. That was really really awesome to see the entire time.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's let's just even just like I'm. I keep going over the list in my head of like people that we've now made friendships with. You know, from who are, who are high-level players of the sport in their own right, right? Like Marcus Minichielli, he plays for the NL Wings. Matt DeLucco, PLL Water Dogs, right? Um, even J.P. Henry is going to play at Marquette. Russell Melendez plays Johns Hopkins, right? I mean, the list goes on and on of all these people that we've now made friends with and are supportive of of our kind of mission and goal that we would never have, you know, crossed paths with otherwise than this awesome event that we got to to go to um I don't I I, we've kind of been chatting about this for a while and there's just a few more things that I think we should get to I do think at some point we should provide feedback not just a world lacrosse but just the experience in general because it's it's not all perfect and there's still some room for improvement and then I also want to just do like quick hitters like highlights whether it be funny things that we did or, you know, funny conversations, moments that happened, like us buying hot dogs from the guys in the Snapdragon parking lot after the game. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: man, I saw those. Those, those were smelling, <laughs> We were, we're, we
2: were bad. Leaving, leaving the game. Like, everything's packed up. Interviews are done. Snapdragon is closed. Like, and we're
1: one of the only people there. Remind you, we're the, one yes. of the only people that were interviewing people, you know, guys after this game, right?
2: And it was, it was, it was, it was close. Like vendors shut, shut off lights off They gate. I appreciate they locked the gates right behind us. As we left, we get in the parking lot. As we're driving off, I'm like, wait, 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 Those guys are selling hot dogs. So they're packing up like they're hot dog and out of a van, out of a van in the parking lot. I'm like what well, we got? Twenty
1: dollar bill. I gave him a twenty dollar bill for like two hot dogs. They were famous. we like ten bucks or they something. Were, I can't remember. Like... I like paid him way too much. And I was like, "This is Look, awesome." Because we were was... on such a high from like just Dude. interviewing these these crazy players, right? I so... will
2: say it was better than the food they had in the stadium. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> well, I couldn't get something in the stadium because the lines were long as
0: hell. I I want you to know, Garrett, those carne asada fries I had while listening to Steve Aoki were pretty dang great and I, I know you were enjoying your food just as much but hold on got- uh, i had it it was it was all
2: right
1: you didn't even mention what happened before we got the hot dogs we almost watched a fight break out like these these like two these four like drunk idiots are just like walking down the sidewalk, just like yelling at each other. Yelling and, at and, each other. And then the bike cops roll up and they're still yelling at each other. And the cops are like, if you guys don't want to get arrested, you just,
2: just leave. leave. I'm like, yep, so that, it's San Diego after dark now.
1: For the viewers uh, watching
0: at home right here, this was the picture taken as Garrett and I were munching on some food. We just happened to be in the line right by Steve Aoki. Yep. So I have carne asada fries in one hand um, and I have <laughs> in another. And the goal was just to get Steve Aoki in the frame and uh, we, we, got confirm- him. we got Steve Aoki in the frame. He's looking frame. at him, if you can tell. He's not looking at that, that, that pink phone. He's looking at Tucker's phone. The carnage has in one hand. So yeah,
1: that's hilarious. All right, so
0: before you get to feedback, before you get to feedback. I Okay, just wanna- let's
1: do quick hitters then. Let's do that oh, one first.
0: The quick hitter portion of this, I just want to touch really quickly on some of these standings, um, these final standings, because there's some really cool storylines here. Um, the one that jumps out to me, right away that I, I really love is Netherlands. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with Netherlands because our hallway, we we're, were in a shared hallway in the dorms. We had a little DJ dance party one night. They were mixing up some Netherlands music in there, but they, they were fun the entire time. They only have two Americans on the roster whose, I think parents are from the Netherlands. They're an entirely in-country program. They have an awesome coach originally from Minnesota who lives there now, full-time developing the game. They have house leagues. They play all the time there. They love the game in the Netherlands, and they put together a roster of guys who truly are from that country and represent that country. And that's part of their model moving forward. They finished at 14. They finished above Philippines, above Mexico, above above Scotland, France, Wales, Poland, Latvia, Peru, the Czech Republic. They finished 14. Really? That's wild. I didn't even realize that. That's a really high finish for a team that is almost entirely from in-country, developed in-country. Those guys grew up playing lacrosse in the Netherlands. They didn't go anywhere else. They played lacrosse in Europe, in the Netherlands, which I think is an incredible storyline. I look forward to going out there now and and getting to play some and work with them after hearing about their journey. So I want to highlight the Netherlands really quickly. Um, And then uh, I obviously dude, Italy being in the top 10 Italy finishing at nine that's that's sick that's absolutely sick they had an awesome roster jamaica at eight Um, but the biggest one the biggest one for the world of lacrosse is japan jumping to five japan that japan is in that top five now which is about as cool as ever and they're above england because you know we know what's going on out there and japan has jumped england and jumped into that pool a positioning right there which is about as dang cool as you could possibly be. So that's my my quick hitters on the final stand. Yeah, let's
1: hope that Team England doesn't kill any other people on Team Japan, but right? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's enough media coverage on that, obviously ridiculous, so we don't have to go into it. But just, uh, you know, play smarter. That's that's kind of the morals. my favorite
0: my favorite thing from that entire situation. There's a, a really good travel program that develops really good young players in England called the English Knights Lacrosse Club. Oh, and they come, they come to the U.S. and they bring a travel team to play here all year. <laughs> um, they are like the premier group developing English lacrosse for younger players. So if- they, just, they just straight up called out Team England, pretty much called them a bunch of scumbags, said the entire corporation is corrupt and it needs to be overthrown. They took that moment, went to social media, and exposed everything in the development of, of English lacrosse and the retweets on that post and the likes were like, ding, 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 ding. They were just posting. Oh, oh my gosh, man. So that might've just, that might've just opened a whole different can of worms to the development of the future of English lacrosse. So interesting there.
1: I mean, washed up Laxbro bro has been posting the same, like he, he's all on top of that <laughs> stuff too. Right. I mean, uh he follows us now, by the way, is a big fan. So uh, just, you know, Kind of a, a cool tidbit there. But uh, I think for – and this is – I know we say quick hitters in the Netherlands, which is hilarious. But uh, I think one of the things that we have to highlight is there was one particular team that definitely showed us the most love while we were there, and it was the Haudenosaunee national team, right? Um, you know, we've we've mentioned before that Tucker has a relationship with the general manager, Darcy Powell, is, Um, You know, his son is going to be coming to play for – uh, Tucker at Clark University, um, which is awesome, but that doesn't mean that they needed to uh, give us, you know, the the warm welcome and the kindness that they did. Uh, while we were there, we ended up going to two private practices, um, and those practices consisted of sitting feet away from the players, getting to listen to the huddles, um, conduct an interview or two, but we really wanted to respect their space and their time, and the only other media outlets there were a photographer for the New York times, one person, and then their documentary team, right. And us, the, the, there wasn't inside lacrosse. Wasn't there is no one from ESPN. There's no one from lacrosse network that, you know, I mean, that we are the only three media outlets there. And we're the only real like coverage team that is at this practice because the other two are mostly there for their documentary and are doing, you know, extensive stories on kind of their journey right um and we went to that first practice you know kind of stayed out of the way um Garrett and I were able to get pretty friendly with Darcy and and you know say hey we want to interview Austin and and potentially Jeremy tomorrow right i sat feet away from Lyle Thompson which was crazy wanted to respect his space because i know that you know he's kind of just trying to to play the game that he loves and he's you know a little bit overwhelmed by the Notoriety and everything that comes with it. Uh, So we definitely wanted to make sure that we didn't uh, attribute to any more of that uh, because there's plenty going on. But, um, you know, with the opportunity we had, we we made the most of it and and we were able to grab interviews after their game uh, with England. Right. and what's funny is, as I'm texting Darcy and I'm saying, "Hey, you know, uh, thanks so much for yesterday. It was great. Like, would love to grab some guys tonight for the game." And Darcy's like, "Hey, why weren't you at practice this morning? Right? It's not like, <laughs> it's not like, hey, why are you, you know, bothering me? Or hey, yeah, that's fine. We'll see if we can make it happen. Right?" He's like, "Yeah, we were looking for you guys this morning. Like, where were you?" Like, he's expecting us to like start showing up. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Darcy, I'm so sorry. Like, I honestly didn't know that that was an option." He's like, "We practice every morning." I'm like, "Okay." We we will be there. So we went, the next, we went the next day, right? We got to pass around and shoot around in the same field that the Haudenosaunee practice on. Um, we got to go into their dorms. Garrett and I got to uh, grab a, a stick that Darcy had uh, commissioned for this event that were only going to people that he felt, you know, kind of, for lack of better words, deserved it, right? Or or were people that um, he felt, you know, understood the history and the heritage and everything that is, is behind uh, an item like that. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a stick, it's something more than that. And and we were so lucky to be a, a part of that experience. Um, you know, I, I, and I see that relationship continuing to grow and, you know, now they're sharing our stuff on their, their main profile and, you know, getting into interactions with the players. And I mean, yeah, unreal. So that's, that's definitely one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, from a quick hitter standpoint, uh, Garrett, do you have any any kind of like funny moments or anything that you think that we should highlight before we just give a little bit of feedback on the event and then get out of here? Dahoga, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to leave that? That's the joke? clip.
2: That's the clip right
1: there. <laughs> right wanna, there. Do you want to so, leave it an inside joke?
2: To everyone,
1: no, you got to explain this. To everyone, explain this.
2: everyone in the lacrosse world, if you are as I don't even want to say the word, mainstream. Yeah, if you're as mainstream as I am, you know you didn't super duper dig into anything, do that. Okay, so, um, the Dahoga Nantico. That's how you say his name. It's not Tahoka, it's Dahoga. Um, now one, I apologize. Two, he gave it to me during the interview. But three still a great guy and a great interview. Um, And it was, it was, it was even interesting to hear that he got injured before the games even started. It was still just like getting there and practicing. Now he's injured, but he didn't just like fly home. Like, all right, whatever he's there every day practice in the dorms on the field with his team, even just giving little tips, helping out for practice. It was, that was cool. Um, And even for him to still say, you know, we get to be here and represent, who we are to the world still awesome so yeah i know how to say your name now
1: and yeah. i think that that's just you know if that's the worst thing that happened to us while we were there i oh mean my god really that, like there's so was... many things that could have went wrong we could have had an awful experience no you know we could have had people not respect us or show us the time of day or like you know be like who are you guys why are you trying to talk to me right so if like If anything, I just see that as a learning experience, right? That, that, you know, shows us, hey, like we did so much to get ourselves here. But now that we know that we can do this and be in this type of environment where we're talking to high level players and getting this content, all right, well, now we have to take the next step and we have to do more professional research and we need to make sure that we're a little bit more prepared. And that just happens over time. We literally have no formal training in this at all. And we put together an amazing product over four days, you know? So that is, if anything, I think that's something that will always like stick with us throughout (laughs) the entirety of this, you know, brand that we're creating in the Pickering Corners podcast. And it'll be something that's somebody to look back on and like, hey, remember the first time we did live interviews and uh, you know, Garrett fucked up the Hoga's name and he gave him some shit about it. And yeah, that was awesome. Now, uh,
2: I will kind of go off of that. Like this is I guess we can go into more of the off the quick hitters part. Um, the fact that you say, you know, we were there. We really just kind of started doing this and we were I'm not like we were killing it. Um, I expected more from World Lacrosse on their media side.
1: Right. So are we go we're getting to yeah, the feet. I'm right not now. we're getting to
2: it. Yeah. 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 I, I expected more on their media side um for more of not to say you know you you have ESPN doing it. You have your games online being shown. You do you know you're posting on Instagram and social media. Um but after that there's there's more to the story than what a picture can tell. There's more to the story than what actual you know when you're watching the game and you posting the stats after the game can tell. People that aren't that weren't able to come here from around the world, they want to see that people are representing them, them their country at these games. They want to see the, they they want to see their fans. They want to see the environment, what everything's like. They want to experience it, even though they can't be there. They want to interact with the players that these kids and these other people will they actually look up to because they're representing them on that field. I didn't feel that that was there nearly enough. Um, from the fact of we were what we we're three guys with a couple phones and a microphone, and a tripod out there running around the games between games, picking out who we're going to interview right after the game. It's like two minutes per person. So that we may spend like maybe a maximum of five to 10 minutes, really after the game doing that. And then we're out and off to the next game when they're starting up, whether it's halftime or like fourth quarter, I'm out there with the, with my, you know, camera and everything. Getting the crowd hyped up. The team loves to hear that. The fans love to see that. Hey, we're getting some notoriety. We're here. We're loud. Everyone wants to be the best fan section. I don't understand what the issue is in in having more of that coverage. Um, and there
1: came, a, there came a point, too, where ESPN was literally pausing their coverage until yeah. you ended up making the fans oh my up, <laughs> like right? Yeah, it, the,
2: you, it was the Uganda and Italy game. I le- I, I ran the entire length of the sideline for both both sides of fans to oh. get them fired up before the fourth quarter. And they didn't let the game go because there was so much noise and that's so much going on that they held the game until they're like, okay, Oh, can we go now? And they're like, "Yeah, we go. now you guys can go." He's done running around hyping these people up. At the same time, do that. That's awesome. You want to hear that background noise? Lacrosse shouldn't be just a silent game you watch on TV. This isn't golf, you know. Like, we want to hear that, and people want to hear that noise and excitement around this stuff.
1: I want to make a couple comments. Like, I'm I'm saying like a few sentences, and then I'm going to pass it to Tucker because I think Tucker always does a really good job of giving constructive feedback he does. and constructive criticism. And and I so I, I don't want to take up more time that I think Tuck will do a good job of kind of explaining things and, and just laying it all out. But the, the couple comments that I, I just want to make from my own perspective is I want to give credit to World Lacrosse because I know this is a hard event to put on and it's it's tough to manage and to there's so many moving parts and and it's really hard to stay on top of every aspect, right? Like you can't just put a whole bunch of effort into media and make that quality. But then, you know, the refereeing suffers or like this and that suffers. Right. Like it's kind of a a balance between uh, all these different departments, even if you want to call it right. But I think what Garrett is, is really getting at is the fact that we felt like there really wasn't a world lacrosse presence at any games other than like the pool A games. Right. Like we went to as many of the pool B, C, D, E, F games that we could. Right. And we the only ones there on the field after the games interviewing these guys. If you look at the social media presence from World Lacrosse, it's the players holding the mic with a question on their story, right? You know, it, it just kind of seemed a little impersonal or, um, you know, it, it didn't seem so personable. It, it didn't really give off the, the, the notion of these people are here trying to. Uh, give these teams a platform to show that they're out here representing their country, right? So I I just think that there's uh, some improvement there. Uh, My other comment is that I think uh, I was a little uh, unimpressed with the presence of the teams from Pool A, specifically Team USA, um, kind of just acting like they were a little bit better than everybody else. And I'm not, I, I know that these guys are celebrities and I know that when people go to the Olympics, you know, the the highest level sport, you know, athletes aren't rubbing elbows with like the people at the bottom or the countries that are just happy to be there. Like, I understand that. Right. But at the same time, this is a grow the game event. And I think if, and I'm, I'm kind of stealing this a little bit from uh, the back of the bird episode with Nick Asello that they just dropped and they were kind of commenting on the same thing, but I'm just surprised that you know, you didn't see those guys at one matchup, right, at one game sitting in the stands, right? You didn't see them, you know, uh, taking the time to to do a a surprise visit to the the Team USA merch tent and just, like, make a few kids' day, something like that, right? And and I I think you could even comment on the fact that the, the merch game in general was really weak. I mean, it was either buy this $90 sweatshirt, or there's like three countries that have a merch tent up and those are your own, only options. And I was kind of disappointed with that. I'm going to leave it there and Tucker, you kind of want to give your feedback. We can have some closing remarks and then get out of here.
0: Yeah. I'm going to keep it quick. I got to jump here in a second, but um, I agree. I think the presence of, of major teams throughout the tournament um, left something to desire. Uh, I don't think I was a big fan of having the campuses split between university of San Diego and San Diego state, Um, I feel that having them all under one roof would have been a lot more beneficial for growth of the game, for clinics, for events, for stuff like that, um, because it felt like the tale of two cities. Um, I mean, there was a very big difference in climate between those two areas. Um, One of them felt like a festival atmosphere where everyone was interacting and engaged, and the other one felt very separated Um, hearing from some of my FCA teammates on what Israel was like, um, there was some similarity there, but there was also an overlap that seemed to be a little bit better than what we saw this time around. Um, I think with us being the premier country, uh, and I feel it's comfortable saying that for, for field lacrosse, um, we really need to make a better effort in connecting with the younger audience and connecting with the audience in general. And that criticism has been echoed throughout the world lacrosse or, throughout the the media world of lacrosse in the last week. I mean, the U.S. has been pretty called out, I feel like. Um, Canada, I think, did a little bit better job than the U.S., to be honest, engaging. I saw their guys around more. I saw their guys taking more pictures. Um, The Haudenosaunee rocked it. Anytime they had an opportunity to talk to somebody, to take a picture, to do anything, they went above and beyond. They had full conversations. Uh, We had Lars Tiffany breaking down how he builds a scouting report to several of our FCA guys in the stands of one of the games, just explaining, here's how I coach, here's how I do this, here's how I work. Um, the accessibility to that team was unbelievable and I give them nothing but the most beautiful kudos in the entire world. Um, Australia, pretty easy to access. Great guys, very average Joes out there to play the game and enjoy themselves. You saw them around. I saw them in a lot of games. Um, I saw a lot of their guys interacting with people and engaging. Um, England, I I honestly didn't see England at all. Um, That could have just been me at the wrong place at the wrong time, but I didn't see the English team I don't think I saw them once outside of actually playing. Um, But again, when it comes down to the U.S. and us being the premier country, we need to be more accessible. We need to be more open. We need to be more willing to work with kids. And um, again, it goes back to we are the one country that currently has celebrities who are lacrosse players, essentially. Um, You know, we have elevated to the status now where we have guys who their full time business is lacrosse, is endorsements, is brand deals. It's just like other sports here. But in the other countries, it's not like that. You know, I heard some of the overheard some of the German guys looking forward to meeting some of the United States players and and wanting to take a picture with them and doing this kind of stuff. That type of thing is what leads to growth in the game, to walking around the vendor village, to watching other games, to all that kind of stuff. When you separate and you create this this difference and this one is better than the other, that leads to a very lackluster result and a very ill feeling in a lot of the people. Um, so. For the countries who are on the SDSU campus, amazing. Supporting each other, working with each other, wanting to be there, doing everything they could and going out of their way. For the Haudenosaunee, they were going to everything they could possibly go to. Um, they were in the stands at every game they could be at. They were taking every picture they could. Um, Australia, very involved out there. I think I caught them drinking beer and hanging out with people at one point and just, just chilling with the boys. It was great to see. But um, what I would suggest, the biggest thing from my perspective and from a vantage point is world lacrosse. If you're going to have a pool A, make sure that you you realize that that pool A is there to compete with everybody else. Um, because I can tell you right now, Puerto Rico might come in there and smack everyone in pool A next time around. And you're going to feel bad when you separate those people and make them feel like two different worlds when that lower tier team comes in and absolutely runs it. So uh, I feel like for growth of the game, put it under one campus next time around, put it under one atmosphere. Don't give anybody special treatment over the other. These are all nations. These are all national players they are all here to compete and put it on the line.
1: Yeah. And I think that's easier said than done. Right. I think that at the, at the end of the day, there are going to have to be some differences because like you said, there, some of these guys are celebrities. They, they, they do need some sort of special treatment to a certain extent. But I think that kind of to wrap everything up in, in one statement, if this was uh, a community that was trying to build something like the NFL or something like the NBA, where it's this elite, untump- untouchable community, then that would make sense, right? That you would section that those best teams off and those highest level players you know, to themselves. But that's never been what the lacrosse community has wanted or asked for. It has always been uh, about – creating a sport that is fun, popular, but still, like you said, super accessible and that the highest level player to the, you know, lowest tier player, there's not a huge gap between those. They're they're still very uh, on the same uh, playing field, you know, people wise, if that makes sense.
0: And the last thing I want to point out too, is we don't know what was going on behind the doors for team USA. I know they do a lot of film. They do a lot of training. They spend a lot of time in that. So No knock on them for how they were doing something, no knock directly on Team USA. I think whoever was handling their PR and their engagement, that's really the individuals that need to kind of look at this and be like, hey, let's connect them more, because that's not on the player's shoulders in an environment like that. That's about who's handling them, who's working with them, and who's connecting them to events. Um, the players are there to play and if you give them a schedule and say here's how this is beneficial to growth of the game chances are they will go do it but somebody needs to make that connection for them because they're so focused in game mode lastly shout out to coach Danowski dude that guy was awesome he spent probably 15 minutes with us we took a video selfie because the camera wouldn't work and he was laughing Um, so nothing but but special shout outs to Danowski on spending a couple minutes with us on that field after the game and in no rush to get off really that was really really cool to see that was my that's my final
1: take before i go gentlemen uh yeah i love it i i think it was a good experience uh my last comment is to your point tucker the uh the i wasn't sure what to expect uh reaching out to teams i knew that teams in pool a would probably be a little bit harder to get interviews with but i was the one reaching out to all of the media contacts and the only one that really gave me a hard time, or that it was somewhat up in the air, was Team USA. They were kind of the only ones where it was like, if we can make time, we'll be able to to give you, you know, uh, an interview. Regardless, it was an amazing event. We had a great time. Uh, it's great to be back with you guys here on the episode. And uh, you yeah, know, that's another one for us here at Picking Corners. Appreciate it. If this is your first time listening to us, you met us in San Diego. You made it this far. Really appreciate you, and excited to have you on board going forward. Uh, That's it. Wrap it up, Garrett. See you guys later.